On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got the chance to talk with Chaz Fox from Micromark. Man, we had an awesome conversation around some of the e-commerce turnarounds that he's done. Uh, We talked about Amazon. He actually uh, did his doctoral dissertation uh, on Amazon, which is incredible. Um, And we talked about uh, how to collaborate with other brands to create products together. Seriously, amazing interview. Uh, I hope everybody listens to this one. Um, Incredible. You'll love it. Before we begin, we wanted to let you know some really exciting news and something that we've never talked about before in the podcast. Our team at Mindful Marketing is growing, and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we are looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. Now, on to today's episode. All right, I am live here with Chaz Fox from Micromark. Chaz, welcome to Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Thanks, Jordan. Glad to be here and uh, looking forward to, to talking with you. Yeah, totally. So most episodes, I, I'll tell the other person that they're like way smarter than me. But in this case, like, mm. it's really true. Like, mm. I don't think, <laughs> no. Chaz and I, we've, we've chatted for a little bit before this, and I was super, super excited to have him uh, on the podcast. Chaz, d- tell me a little bit about, uh, or tell our, our viewers, um, a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so um, I have an unusual background. I, I came out of college, played in the NFL for a few years, uh, bounced around the league, um, playing wide receiver. Um, but being able to play on some teams was really interesting and sort of guided my career path. Um, I noticed that almost all the talent levels were the same. The differences between great teams and, and mediocre teams was, was strategy. Mm. And I ended up you know, studying strategy, getting my doctorate in strategic management. Um, and I've kind of focused on strategy throughout my career. I've done a number of uh, financial turnarounds for e-commerce companies. Um, I'm currently running a company called Micromark. It's been around for 92 years. This really isn't a financial turnaround, but it's, it's, they wanted growth, and, and, and that's why they brought me in about, about four and a half years ago. Cool, cool. Let's talk about, about some of those turnarounds. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. So are these companies that are like they're just on their way to bankruptcy? Um, yeah. Companies, generally that's these are these are sort of last ditch efforts to avoid that or even to guide them through that if that was what really made sense um but usually they're uh, companies that had again sort of struck to a particular strategy that made them you know be the brand that they are and time has changed and they needed to adjust strategy and and they just hadn't yet and that's that's kind of what i did for for several years it's a little stressful um because sometimes you don't have all the right people in the building and um and you have to sometimes make changes uh, and people don't like change so you you know just in general even if you have the right person yeah. people are employees resist change uh, even if it's best for the company even better for the employee um so i've sort of managed through those types of um you know, change management and strategic changes yeah i i i was thinking about i actually don't know if any listeners know this but i, I used to be a paramedic and uh, we were in like a heavy union sort of environment and it mm-hmm. did not matter what the change was. Everyone hated it, right? Yeah, All yeah. the time, like, oh, we want things to be better. As soon as somebody comes in and tries to implement something, like, no, no, that's not how you do it. Exactly, yes. 
that's how it works. And of course, in e-commerce, it has to do with um, the ERP system, the web platform, all those kinds of things that, yeah, everyone's ready for a change because they hate what they have. And then when you implement it, it's different and they don't want to do that either. So uh, just normal, normal things. But if you know, if you know it's going to be there and you're prepared for it, it's a little easier to, to manage through. Totally. If there was a, in these financial turnaround e-commerce companies, if there was some kind of linchpin or if there was one kind of magic bullet thing that you saw that that's the first thing that you do, what, what is that? Well, this is really basic, but it's really what you have to do and what a lot of companies don't do to get in these situations is to just really track uh, daily and weekly. Yeah. You, you yeah. make predictions on what you're going to do based on the resources that you have. And, and then you track that. And, and, and if it's not tracking, you really need to be, ex, be able to explain it. You know, a lot of people operate off of quarterly financials and don't really do the tracking and they sort of get in trouble uh, fairly quickly like that. So it's, it's not a sexy answer, but it's, it, is a, it is a lot to do about, you know, what are you gonna do with those resources? How are you gonna apply them? When is the spend gonna happen? Yeah. What is your expected uh, return on that? What is your ROI on that? And are you tracking to that? If you're not tracking to that, you might not be using your resources to the to the wisest possibility. Totally. I know a lot of companies that we chat with, they they're essentially just looking back on the previous year, right? Yeah. And like, oh, okay, good. We've got a little bit of money in the bank, but like, do you really know like down to that minutia? One one thing that we've implemented uh, in our brand um, is Profit First. Um, to me, do do you know the Profit First system, Mike McCallum? Mm -hmm. yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, so, sure. so we've implemented that and it's so good for somebody, you know, without a doctorate <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, just to be able to like actually split up and figure out like what are our actual costs? Are we actually yep. able to take profit out of the company? Um, yep. And if not, then we need to change, right? Something needs to yep. change. Absolutely. And, you know, for e-commerce companies, you've got, you've got your people spend and you got, if you're selling a product, you've got your, your product buy and, and your margin. And you have to, and this this has been an, a classic example of the last few months in this pandemic. Um, E-commerce e companies that have been able to stay in business um, have thrived, and actually just gone gone crazy. People have stayed home and and bought more. And we've seen that our business is just is just booming. And um, but then that ha that's a great problem, but it's a, it presents problems because now you got to figure out how to buy, or if you're manufacturing, you got to figure out how much and when to manufacture. So. If, if there's no historical basis, which was really not since this, this has hit, you know, you really have to start making some assumptions. What's this going to look like six months from now? Totally. Especially if you're buying some things that are, you know, made in India or made in some other place or some components that come from overseas. Um, the, so the supply chain is really stretched. Some places, some countries are even shut down for a while. Um, and so you have this really, you know, even this, though this has been a great, you know, period uh, for many companies from a stress planning standpoint, my merchants are, you know, drinking a lot of coffee and staying up late. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a little bit about where you are right now at, at Micromark. So you were talking about some of the success that you guys have had is uh, creating, was it 600 new products? Yeah. I mean, I think to me, um, you know, innovation is, is critical in this digital marketing age. Yeah. And um, because you know, if you're selling the same thing as everybody else, it just becomes a price issue, price war kind of thing. And that's yeah. not a good, good place to be. So if you, if you can really uh, put together, and that's what we did uh, four years ago, put together a very robust um, product development team that, that just really focused in on, on creating new products that, 
that were meaningful to customers going forward. Things that you know could take an existing product and change it subtly, or you could have a whole new different product. So we we put together this team, and then we did a lot of things internally from a manufacturing standpoint. But we also worked together with other companies to collaborate um, with, with companies that that has a cool product, but maybe it just needed uh, some ideas. And when finding companies to collaborate with, you usually end up with a much, much better product. Yeah. A good example of that in the last few years has been this product that we collaborated with, with a company from South Korea. Uh, the owners were are, are basically millennial South Koreans, yeah. very well educated, speak English very well, and they have a product called the Wonder Cutter. Okay. And it uses vibrations uh, with a blade to cut, really creates precision cutting. It's a very expensive tool. Yeah. And what, um, like, what, what kind of stuff is it cutting? It cuts, it cuts uh, plastic. It can cut leather. Oh, okay. Um, cool. It can cut little thin wood, but it's really for precision. It's, you know, it's, it's got these, um, you know, amazing precision in terms of being able to cut. So if you're after something that you need precision, this is a, this is a great tool. Dentists buy it for things that they do with teeth. So you can imagine you know, the, the precision wow. is there. Wow, okay, yeah, yeah. And, and we collaborated with them to make it much more US friendly um, in terms of just uh, how it cools and, um, and, and and how the handle is and and the collets and some of the, 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 the intricacies, but also even just to the, the instructions and, and, and making those more, more interesting. So we have an exclusive arrangement with them to sell it in North America and it's been, we can't keep it on the shelf. I mean, it's been a great relationship for both of us. Um, you know, we, we love it. Our customers love it. We're yeah. finding, uh, you know, new places to go with it all the time. And that's just one example of, of collaboration that, that ends up with a, a, a way better product. And it didn't, you know, didn't start from scratch, but uh, took a few months to get right. And then, and then it really has a great market. That's super cool. Can I ask you a couple more questions about that? Sure. So when you create a product like that, is that like a co-branded product or is that their brand that you've just kind of helped them out with? And in, the, in this case, we, you know, we, we could go a number of ways, but in this case, they, they had a presence in the U.S. They had, they had done some marketing and, but we had some great ideas on to take it to the next level. Yeah. And so we just, our, 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 um, in terms of it's not co, it's not co-branded, but certainly we pr uh, promoted a ton. Yeah, um, we provide all the service. Well. We, we provide all the service in the U.S., so we have customer service, welcome people through technical problems. Yeah, so that would be very difficult to do from South Korea. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's it's not co-branded, but it's definitely you know you know related, and we're the exclusive place to get it. So um, you know we're real pleased with it. Ah, that's awesome. I, I hope that people's wheels are starting to spin here thinking of like, ah, oh, how can I do that? I actually just had a conversation right before this one um, with another brand um, that we're hopefully going to move forward with some kind of collaboration just like that with our clothing company. Yeah, um, that's great. We're really, really good at making clothes, right. but we don't really do much beyond that, but we want mm -hmm. to. <laughs> I see. I see. Well, I, I travel a good bit, obviously before the, the, the pandemic, but, um, and I, and I, you know, call on manufacturers and talk to them about what they've got coming up. But, you know, innovation has been such a key thing. You, you want a sustainable company, you, you, you keep introducing cool new products, you know, customers are going to be looking at what's next and it really just creates that sort of atmosphere. Totally. Well, I like, look at like Google's 20% time, right? Is that, right. is that what they call it? 20% time? Yep. I think that's <laughs> where, right. yep. where they get, they get all of that time just to innovate and just think right. of ideas, right? Right. Um, right. We don't, I don't give them 20%. They have to, find 20% somewhere, but, um, you know, our team, what's interesting is our team, the, 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 the product development team, they're not product development people. 
Yeah. Some of them come out of creative. Some of them work in the warehouse. Um, but they're, they're, they're tinkerers and they, they've seen what has worked and what if we just took this and did that with it. And so you get a lot of, because you have people from different backgrounds, you end up with, you know, a lot of, you know, out of the box ideas cool. uh, from places that you might not, um, might not come from. So we, you know, we spend time meeting and discussing and then they'll go off on their own and do something. But so there's a sort of this, um, I guess that the team is competitive. They, they really want to come in with the next best cool thing and they'll spend off time looking for that. That's awesome. And do you incentivize them to do that? Or is that just well, like, just for the, for the beauty of creating something new? Yeah. So there's no formal incentivization. I love to have formal incentivization. This culture is a little different than some of the ones that. Hey guys, just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at mindful marketing is growing and we have room for one new brand a month. That's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we are only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply to start the process today. Now, back to today's episode. I run in the past, so we don't, we don't necessarily have that. We have a different bonus program, and so it would feed into that, but it's not like exclusively to that. Uh, but this, the competitive juices are enough to really totally. create innovation. We, we, in the last four years, we've introduced over 600 products. Wow. Wow. Um, have you ever read, read the book Drive? I have not read the book okay. Drive. No, that's awesome book. Well, we'll put it in the show notes, um, but it's all about um, how uh, essentially financial incentives are, are a lot lower on the spectrum of actually getting hmm. people to, to do things. Yeah, that doesn't um, surprise me. Yeah, yeah, incredible book. Highly, highly recommend all yeah. listeners listen. I mean, as a leader, it, the 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 activities that you encourage are the ones that people end up doing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. you know, if you if you take I'm notice, too, I'm really glad that you're doing that, and that's really cool. And look at look at Cheryl over there; she's doing this, and that that really sort sort of uh, dr- drives people to do yeah. the things that they do. Yeah. Yeah, I know one of the big ones that he talks about is autonomy as well right? So not micromanaging people, which is very difficult sometimes. And sometimes people need to be micromanaged, but, uh, but it doesn't do much for, for them having their own drive. (laughs) Well, ownership, you know, giving, giving an employee ownership of a project that they are not there, they are um, in charge of, but yet they need collaboration from other people. So that's, that puts them in a different position as well. And, and really, makes employees grow quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So one of my notes that I have here to talk to you about, uh, I'm calling you the doctor of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did, I did get my doctorate of, of business administration with a, a, a focus on strategic management and my dissertation was on, was on Amazon. And cool. Can we talk, can we talk about that? Story. Yes, sure. Sure. Um, you know, the, the whole story is, is pretty fascinating. And I wouldn't say that, you know, it, I'm not going to say that I'm, um, you know, I'm a lover of Amazon or a hater of Amazon. Amazon is what it is. And certainly it's changed customer expectations in the e-commerce space like no other company. Totally. doesn't matter what it is, whether it's raised the bar. shipping, it's raised the bar. Um, and, and it was by design to really take care of the customer. And they've operated on extremely low profits. And, um, and, and at the same time, the growth has been unprecedented. Um, Amazon during this pandemic is growing 10% month on month. 
which of course that double in seven months, which is unbelievable. Crazy. Um, For like a company that was already like... It was already, you know, growing faster than anybody else. And this just launched it even, even further. And this, and you know, while we talking about innovation and product development, of course, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the pieces of the puzzle for Bezo, you know, what is innovation? He's, he is, he is driven by innovation yeah. um, and, and, and obsession for the customer. Um, and so the, you know, the, the, the idea of third party sellers in the Amazon marketplace um, was, you know, other companies had done it, but, um, but they, those, those companies weren't selling stuff themselves. So there was this real huge debate within Amazon about if that even made sense to have third party sellers. Well, that is really more than 50% of what they sell now um, yeah. is from third party sellers. And of course you're getting great you know, treatment for the customer. Um, customers have tons of choices at low prices. Okay, right now, um, Amazon is looking at last leg delivery. They, they ran a trial for four months of last leg delivery. We actually use them at Micromark uh, as one of the guinea pig companies because we're a seller-fulfilled uh, prime company. So, mm. um, you know, we got to see what that product looked like. And time in transit wasn't that bad. They were very competitive with UPS and FedEx. So very, very fascinating all the different things that are going on right now. And some people might not know this, but uh, Amazon's working on a, on a, a test uh, for the virus that is instantaneous. You know, Bezos sees that wow. as what that's what they use all their profits from last year to focus on this year, teams of scientists to do that. So here's an e-commerce company, you know, sort of doing some, some amazing things in terms of innovation. Uh, the, the, if you look at the company itself, you get AWS, You've got Prime, which is you know, which is what brings the customers in hundreds of millions of Prime customers. They're very loyal. The AWS side is is all the all the uh, web cloud based stuff, all the all that stuff, and they're very profitable with that business. And you have Prime in the middle, and you got you know um, you got uh, Amazon Marketplace, and that's yeah. consistent of FBA and and seller and seller third party sellers. Yeah. Well, FBA is a fascinating thing in itself, right? Because there's there's over 150 warehouses just in the U.S. and they're all over the world wow. that are within 35% of the U.S. population that it can deliver within two hours. That's now, incredible. About That's incredible. And they're growing. That's going, it's going to be more and more and more. And so, you know, how is a small company going to compete against that? How is Micromark going to be able to do something like that? Well, I'm fascinated by it, um, for one, but we've actually started that process. We are using third-party shippers to get closer to California. We have about 50% of our sales are in the West Coast. Mm. So we have to ship it all the way from New Jersey to California. So we're gonna stage that, um, a lot of our pro uh, products uh, in Utah so I can get into California within a day and a half or so and I'll have a five or six day travel time. Chaz, um, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you use Amazon? Why wouldn't you use FBA? Well, you can, you can, but you're only, if it, with, when using FBA, you can only sell to Amazon customers. You're not going to sell to my customer. So if I use if I use a third party, like I do use FBA. I love FBA. FBA is great because you're seller fulfilled prime. Amazon's responsible for it. You get paid yeah. on time. Yeah. You know, all those things are there and there. And you're going to be in one of those warehouses or maybe five of those warehouses that are within two hours of the customer. So that's yeah. phenomenal. You can't beat that. But all that product is going to go to an Amazon customer. So, so if you I use can't, this, you can't use FBA as a third party fulfillment for your own uh, store. Not, not yet. I think that'll eventually be a thing, but I, not, not for your own customer. And it has to go through, it has to go through Amazon. 
Gotcha, gotcha. That's crazy. Wow. So if I'm in this third party location, I can go, I can have that shipped to Amazon customers or Amazon or my own customers. And so that, that inventory becomes more versatile. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be nice if they, if they ever have that. So if you, yeah, you know, it, it goes along with what they do. It's not so against what they do. I mean, um, you know, Bezos is looking. So if you look at that leg, so all the way from the web and the AWS and Prime and Amazon seller, and then this last leg, they, they can make money anywhere in between here. Yeah. They don't have to make money anywhere. They can make money here, here, here. So it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant and genius scheme um, that really does take care of the, of the customer. And I don't know that everyone's saying, well, we have to break them up or there's maybe there's some antitrust issues here, but he, he designed this at the very beginning to avoid antitrust, at least mm. based on precedent, which is, you know, he's offering customers lower prices and more options. And almost yeah. every antitrust suit that's ever come up was the opposite of that. There was less options and, and higher, higher prices. So, yeah. he's, so, you know, customer satisfaction is the way to avoid antitrust and I think he might. Mm. Super interesting stuff. Um, I got to ask you the question I ask every person, okay. uh, Chaz, what is your secret to scaling? Secret to scaling is it's changing, right? It's, it's, it's evolving. And we just talked about that. I mean, yeah. you staying open to what is happening and this, what you, what scale it is now scale is, is not a, um, a finite thing, right? So, so whatever you are right now, Amazon showing you, you can scale, you know, crazy from there. Yeah. So yeah, even so Amazon I think the, continue. <laughs> exactly. So I think, I think it is being open. So I think some people scale to a place and they stop, hmm. right? And then it's continual learning. It's, it's being aware of what are the new things that are out there that will allow us to scale. You know, this idea of that third party shipper in Utah shipping for us uh, allows us to scale, yeah. right? Cause that's, yeah. that's going to double our warehouse space or even triple it. I mean, and we could have these hubs all over the country all of a sudden. Yeah. And so that, but that's not a thing we even thought about a year ago. Mm. You know, it sort of evolved from, wow, how cool is it that Bezos has this FBA thing? How could we ever do that? We're tiny. And then start looking around and UPS has this where to go program and FedEx has their own version of that mm. and, uh, and start and start grabbing onto things like that. So to me, it's like, it's this continual learning process and this, this um, awareness of what you can do next, where to, where to go next is sort of the, the key to scaling. Mm. Hmm. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, I'm going to go to our lightning round here. If you're prepared, sure, we'll try. <laughs> you don't have to be prepared. <laughs> okay. right. What is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? Um, that's I'm pausing, right? There's lots of cool things that are, that are going on. Um, it's not even that cool, but all of a sudden zoom becomes so important. We're on zoom right now. Yeah. yeah. I have, I have friends of mine that were, that are salesmen that are used to calling on, uh, in person, taking people to lunch, and that's how they made a living. And this thing shut them down. And I was like, guys, just get you can you can put a Zoom together meeting so easy, you can get so much more done. They're they're getting you know five more meetings a day than they were getting before. Totally, totally. And we've gotten and our company never used Zoom, and everybody's at home now, and we're all using it in all these different kinds of ways, and you know sharing screens and showing documents and pointing at things and it's and somebody else grabs it over real quick i mean it's it's become it's a thing we use every day at this point even though it's not that novel yeah yeah awesome that's great nobody said zoom so far <laughs> that's that's great um do you have a favorite podcast oh well i'm not now that it, 
you for sure. Um, <laughs> That's my favorite but, answer. Every time it's like, okay, <laughs> what's your favorite podcast? <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm all over the board with podcasts. There's not one that I, that I, you know, sort of dwell with. Um, I like, I like certain subjects. So, you know, I, I, you know, and I love, who, who doesn't like Ted talks? I mean, those are kind of, Oh yeah. yeah. That's sort of general answer, but yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. And is there a founder that you look up to? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I gotta, I gotta, even though there's certain things about the way they run their company that I think is, you know, not the best thing for this, this country. I think Bezos is, is somebody to be looked at, you know, because of yeah. the, the vision and the, the, you know, when you talk about scale, um, you know, he was thinking scale when it was, it was ridiculous. He was thinking antitrust when he was in his garage. Wow. Which is fascinating to me. Wow. Yeah. It's like, he could really see that. Hey, like, yeah. like yeah. the future. That's incredible. Right. That's yeah. great. Well, I really, really appreciate your time. Like this was, no such a great interview um yeah i feel like i've made a new friend and that's uh, I, I do too this was <laughs> this was this was fun i enjoyed it and uh, i hope your customers or your uh, your audience out there does as well yeah um, totally where where can people find out more about you well um linkedin Chaz fox or i'm, I'm on uh, as charles fox um, i have a website called chasfox.net which has got some things that i've done on there cool um those are those are kind of the main main places. And are you helping with e-commerce turnaround still or, or is micro market? No, but I do, I've actually sort of focused on, I mean, I, I'm certainly open. I do serve on some boards and some things like that. And, um, I'm, I've worked with this company called the sill for several years and watched the Eliza blank grow that company, uh, into some, it's a fabulous company. Um, a company to look out for. Um, and, um, so I love, I love, uh, working with companies that are on a high growth trajectory. Mm. Um, I've sort of been doing more of that than I have been on, on turnarounds. Um, but I'm open to, you know, to things. I, I really love this company, Micromark. Um, we have a lot of things going on that just make it kind of, kind of fun and, and, uh, and, and more innovation is happening here. Oh, I love, so. Yeah. I love hearing about all that innovation. I, I've got actually one more question before we go here. Um, I, I want to ask you actually while we're on camera here, um, what if if you came into a high growth trajectory company and it was still the founder at the helm hmm. and they didn't really have a, a big leadership sort of structure, what would be that first hire that you would make? Yeah, well, the, the, the first the first thing you have to do is find out what you got. Right. You, so you've got a talent level there and then you're not going to have some kind of void, some kind of thing that you're missing. Yeah. So the founder is going to have, I don't know, vision. Let's say he's real, real particular. Let's say he's a financial guy. Yeah. Or any of those kinds of things. He's probably not all those things, right? Yeah. 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 Figure out, figure out what's missing in the, in the, cause you got to have all those things. Yeah. You got to have vision. You got to have innovation. You got to have somebody that keeps, keeps track of things. You got to have, you got to have some discipline in, in the, in the room. Mm. Um, so what's missing. And, and that's, that's, kind of the first thing because you it is a recipe you can't you can't get by without some of those things being present in, in some form of leadership mm. gotcha good answer that's great thank you. jazz what a pleasure thank you so much for your time today thank you thank you very much appreciate it 
Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.